Hey everybody, welcome to Will's Winers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be sitting down with our great friend, Jed Gray from Green Hill Vineyards. Jed, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So uh, Jed, we've known each other now for a couple of years. Uh, why don't you go ahead and share with our audience how you got into the wine industry? Because I think it's an absolutely fantastic story. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think, uh, well, there's a high uh, percentage of wine, uh, people in the wine industry that literally kind of fall into it. And I was uh, uh, actually one of those people is that um, grew up in California, about 40 minutes away from Napa and Davis. And uh, everybody temp tends to get their wine education, goes to UC Davis, right? Uh, I did not. Um, I'm a historian by training, and I came out to uh, University of Maryland to work on my doctorate in uh, modern European history. And uh, as I was doing so, um, I somewhat accidentally, if you will, took a part-time job at a wine store one summer and uh, literally fell into the business. Uh, and the next thing I knew, I wasn't working on my doctorate anymore, and I was uh, working full-time at the wine store running their events uh, and learning as much as I could about wine because it was absolutely fascinating and it, it hit a nerve with me and, uh, in a positive way that I felt I could connect with people and share things that I wasn't as being academic. And, um, you know, that progressed over the years, a lot of success doing events and learning about wine, but it didn't find my home until I started working on the vineyard side of the business. And I took a job at uh, Bro Vineyards here in uh, Virginia in 2014 as their taste room manager. And I saw a whole nother world, you know, when you're uh, uh, in retail and wholesale on wine, one of the great things is that you see the entire world. You can taste the entire world. Uh, and it really expands your palate, uh, opens your eyes and, uh, fuels your thirst for more. Uh, but when you get to the vineyard side, you know, you are dealing with a singular product from a singular climate or a microclimate. And, um, but there's something magical about that. Every single vintage is different, particularly here in Virginia. Uh, and you know, um, I, became uh, enthralled with it and uh, really committed my career to uh, develop me growing within the wine business on the vineyard side and I've uh, uh, grown to this point to become general manager of Green Hill Vineyards in Middleburg, uh, Virginia. And uh, I manage the business and also uh, two vineyard sites as well because you know no matter what, we all know that the best wines come from the best fruits. Uh, that provided to them. So that's one of the things that I really try to work closely with my team uh, uh, to create, you know, exceptionally grown fruit that turns into an exceptional product in the bottle that we can share at a very, very high level with people. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, so growing up in, in, in outside of Napa and everything, were you, um, were you introduced to wine early or is it just something that, hey, that's what was happening in the hometown and didn't think much else? About it? Yeah, no, you know, um, it, it, you knew it existed and you knew it was part of culture and life. Uh, I remember growing up as, as a kid and uh, as often as the case, uh, you know, you uh, offered a taste of wine at the, at the dinner table and you go, oh my God, this is disgusting. You know, give me a Coors Light. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, there was not an appreciation for wine at a young age in any capacity. Uh, but, you know, once I um, 
became an adult and started maturing, you go through that evolutionary process where you explore wine, you come to respect it, and you want to grow with it, if you will. Uh, everybody's palates typically start at a novice level, myself no exception, but uh, you know my pinky's straight out nowadays, and <laughs> I think it's novice ago. But so, but it's interesting that that you talk about everybody starting out as a novice because uh, wine can be extremely intimidating for folks. Sure. And I know when I started first started drinking wine, um, I didn't know shit from Shinola. I just kind of gravitated to sweeter wines just because that's what my palate was. Um, when you started transitioning from that novice to the the expert that you are now. Um, what are some of the things that you were looking for initially, um, trying to broaden your horizons, so to speak? I mean, I know you were at a wine store, um, but how did you kind of branch out? I think one of the, the hardest things about wine is it is intimidating. But one of the most intimidating aspects of wine is that it's um, it's an all-in committal to a bottle, right? Uh, you know nothing about what's inside of it. Um, you know, nothing about how it's going to interact with your palate and how it's actually going to provide you satisfaction at the end of the day. And yet, uh, you know, whether it be a wine store or a restaurant or whatever, it's asking you to go all in for the entire contents at a certain price point, right? You know, you don't get married. Oh, most people don't get married to a, a partner and without knowing, you know, a good deal about them before being locked in for, you know, the, the entire duration of a marriage, right? Sort of same thing with a, with a bottle of wine. And so, you know, my point being is that there's a hesitancy, you know, to, do I drop $30 or $40 on a bottle of wine when I don't understand the contents within? And to that point, that's where, you know, good retail uh, people, good people at a winery can help you understand what's in the contents of that bottle. Uh, and uh, and allow you to basically feel secure in the purchase and, and such. But the most important thing, in my opinion, that anybody can do is not identify what you like in wine, is identify and be able to articulate what you dislike about wine. And because, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the label, you're going to need help. Right, unless you're just blindly grab your bottles, which we all we've all done yeah. from time to time, right? But if you walked in and what you have, <laughs> and I said, okay, well, um, what do you dislike about red wine, right? And you're able to articulate that to me, like, well, I want, I really hate things that are highly tannic. Um, I'm much more about a fruit, you know, uh, 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 you know, if it's tannic and bitter and and lightweight i don't like that right now i can share with you a very broad spectrum of selections that might be interesting to you including stuff that you've never tried but if you walked in and you said i want a fruit bomb that's fruit that you know as and, and that's jammy and sort of dumbed down if you will then i may only have one or two wines for you and that's really what you have to do for wine is keep your horizons broad and explore. And explore means taste, 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 taste. Even if you hate Chardonnay, 
right? You're like, I've never met a Chardonnay I like. Well, if somebody brings a Chardonnay to the table, taste it because there is a point where you'll find an expression of Chardonnay that actually is interesting to you. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my philosophy of wine. Taste responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, one of the things that, that, that I always uh, wanted, cause we're trying to draw in the mission of this podcast is to draw in, uh, people that typically don't drink wine and tannins is, is, is one of those words that's very common in the wine world. You want to explain to our, our viewers and our listeners, uh, what a, the definition of what a tannic wine is. Right. Well, I mean, let's take Cabernet Sauvignon, right, um, is considered to be a tannic wine. And uh, tannins are from the skins of uh, uh, grapes, right? Uh, when this Cabernet Sauvignon or any red wine is made, or the majority of red wine, should I say, is that they are fermented with the skins and the seeds in a tank or a bin or even a barrel, right? Uh, and they're drawing in the essences of those skins, uh, and it's going to impart it onto the juice. So tannic structure in a wine, when it hits your palate, right? It's on the side of your uh, palate, and it's basically the more tannic a wine is, the more moisture is sucked out of it, right? Um, so a freshly popped bottle of a highly tannic red should basically be a vacuum to the side of your palate, right? And uh, oftentimes that's a negative for people because you're left going, right? Um, but as far as, you know, it largely is a positive because it speaks to aging potential of wine. And I would uh, argue the sophistication of the, of the product at the end of the day. Yes, there are, tan there are red wines that are out of, out of balance where there's no fruit but just tannins. Um, but, you know, decan it, let it air out, and, you know, um, you'll be fine. By and large, and when I say decan it, that doesn't mean get your pinky up and you got to get your beautiful Riedel decanter out. I've done many wine events. The best way to decan wine sometimes is grab a water pitcher, dump it in, and pour it back in the bottle. Jed, you brought with you uh, two wines today. Uh, what did you bring? I brought the uh, 2020 Mary Edwards Sauvignon Blanc and then the 2019 uh, uh, Chapelet uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. We're going to start out with the Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. You know, this is uh, one of the wines uh, that I discovered uh, personally probably about a year and a half ago. And um, I really honestly had never tasted a Sauvignon Blanc like this. Uh, I was familiar with Mary Edwards uh, as a label in, in some capacity. Uh, but this is, to me, uh, one of the finest Sauvignon Blancs I've ever tasted in my life. Uh, and it's come a little bit of a staple in my house. And, you know, principally from it, when you look at Sauvignon Blanc, um, you know, uh, you know, the first things that come to your mind are acidity and brightness and sort of raciness within the wine, whether it's from the war or, you know, particularly from New Zealand or such, uh, oftentimes in California uh, wines, and this is, you know, is a California Sauvignon Blanc, uh, you get more weight to them with the fruit and, uh, and due to the uh, conditions that are growing in. But I've never seen one that has this amount of richness and weight that doesn't deny the identity of Sauvignon Blanc at the same time. And you know, I feel like it, it, you, you, you did a blind tasting with this wine. It literally 
would play tricks on your mind because you're like, it's a, I feel like it's a Sauvignon Blanc, but the weight and the richness leads itself not to be at the same time. It's really a, a spectacular little festum. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, that's delicious. Very fruity. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so this is a staple in your house, which means you're drinking it a lot. What are you drinking it with? Um, you know, uh, our house, we try to keep things uh, on a health standpoint. Um, you know, um, eat a lot of fish, and so fish is fantastic with this. Um, swordfish I've enjoyed immensely. Uh, also, uh, particularly off the grill, a little bit of smoke to it, lemon juice, fantastic with it. Uh, chicken as well, roasted chicken dishes. Uh, again, always trying to incorporate some kind of citrus herbal element uh, in both to sort of uh, pair uh, nicely with this wine. If you're just looking for a casual Sunday afternoon uh, pairing, uh, you're not going to go wrong with a herbaceous uh, goat cheese with this as well. Holds up very, very well. Oh, no. I, the, the, with football, uh, the NFL season among us right now, uh, if you're I, the thing that jumped out at me, I'm just like, this is something that I could drink with my wife watching football. Right. Um, it, it, it's it's fruity. It has a lot of flavor to it, uh, but it, it seems like it would pair well with uh, a lot of uh, traditional football foods. I am um, not going to disagree with that. And it's, you know, it's for as complicated and as enjoyable as it is, it's not a pretentious wine. Uh, Jed, as you know, I'm a big fan of red wine. Uh, tell me about the Chapelet that you brought today. Um, you know, I think well, first you got to start with the vineyard itself. Um, you know, Chablis, they have a 770 acre property east of Napa Valley, um, sort of in between Lake Berryessa and Napa. And uh, I grew up probably about 30 minutes away from this vineyard and always been fond of their wines. Their reds uh, across the board are absolutely tremendous. Their Cap Franc is fantastic. But their cap sobs hit a, a, a particular note for myself, and I wanted to share that with you. Um, the Pritchard Hill sites, it really, you get the heat and the intenseness of maybe like upper Napa Valley, if you will, uh, at a more, you know, uh, same latitude, I think about St. Helena. Uh, and it's just their respect and their craft of winemaking is, uh, in my opinion, on, on uh, you know, the upper crust for the entire Napa Valley, except they're right, you know, uh, not in Napa proper. And you have to kind of go out of your way to find them. And uh, I've never been disappointed by a bottle that I purchased uh, from them and um, wanted to share it with you. Well, I'm excited to try it. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, that's very flavorful. Um, almost like uh, that would go fantastic with with a steak or something. What do you what do you when you're at home and you're having this? What do you normally pair with it? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I love about this wine, and you know, if you know this, uh, if I'm drinking, you know, prototypical Napa Cap Sauv, sometimes the the nuances of the wine, the sophistication uh, is lost with the the abundance of fruit and the power of the fruit uh, that's not lacking here there's a nice balance across the palate uh fruit acidity tannins uh, uh a lot of substance to it for myself i'm not gonna lie you sit down with a great ribeye great steak anything you're not gonna you know you're not gonna be lacking but um you know uh as somebody that it, it works in the wine industry 
uh, and we uh, live it day in, day out. Sometimes I like to just come home, have a damn good burger. Yeah. And literally sit down with a bottle like this and enjoy the simplicities of life. Uh, you know, even though like your classic burger construction of like, you know, bacon, good meat, pro- properly cooked, you know, uh, uh, a ketchup and mustard under there, it like fits well with a, a, a big bowl of red. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to be over really pretentious about them. I enjoy those little things too. Hey, burgers are, are the spice of life and absolutely delicious. When the last drop comes out of the glass, it's time to go. As always, thank you for joining us on Will's Winos. We'd like to thank our guests, our producers, Daniel Enriquez and Lamar Lusk, our media company, Adrava Media. Till next time, drink safe and enjoy great wine and great friends.